I hope you survived your Monday. It was a massive Monday in terms of reaction to the NFL weekend. We spent four hours on just that from Sunday night into Monday, and then we launched you forward into your massive Monday. And then we find out on Monday Night Football that it's a wild and weird and wacky capper to one of the most unique historic weekends we've ever seen in the NFL. Even before we welcome our guest, who is en route after Monday Night Football, we're asking you, try if you might, put on your analyst hat, how do you explain the Buffalo Bills this season? On Twitter, A-Law Radio, on our Facebook page too, haven't had a chance to put up that question yet, maybe producer Jay can do it in the next couple of minutes. We've got so much more to Jim Harbaugh speaking about his suspension and the situation with Michigan and wanting to defend himself in the way that only he can. Micah Parsons talking about the Cowboys and other various NFL topics. QB news, of course, that always happens on a Monday. And then in Major League Baseball, rookies of the year and a new manager for Houston. So there's a lot to do. Chop, chop, right? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You probably could spend all day Tuesday reacting to what we saw in the final minute, or even the final two minutes of our Monday night football game in Western New York. A defensive pass interference call, the Broncos in field goal range, a Chinese fire drill, a penalty, a second chance at a field goal. Kevin Harlan and Ross Tucker on Westwood One. They set up right now for a 41-yard field goal. Clock at seven, the ball put down, the kick is up, and the kick is no good. He misses wide right. He misses wide right. But there was a flag on the play. 12 men on defense. Five-yard penalty. Still fourth down. Oh, my God. Goodness on the Bills, the penalty. They'll get another try. Denver will get another try. 12 men on the field. What is going on right now? This ball spotted far hash at the 26, an attempt of 36 yards for the win. Lutz kicks it on the way, and it is good. Broncos can celebrate because they have come to Buffalo and upset the Bills by a final score of 24 to 22. Nutso. Dave Logan with the final call on Every play is nuts. Broncos radio. But before that, Kevin Harlan, Ross Tucker, I listened to the entire second half. They had a great time. And Ross now joining us here on After Hours. All right. This is where you make the big bucks, Ross. How do you explain the final few seconds of the game, much less the fourth quarter? It's a, it's a great question, Amy. And it's funny because I did the game, obviously, with Kevin Harlan. And, you know, he's done a lot more games than I have. But I, I can't remember a game ending like that. I mean, when's the last time you saw a game-winning too many men on the field penalty? <laughs> I mean, Never. Which is essentially what happened in the game. It's really hard to believe. I mean, first of all, the Bills got the critical sack to knock the Broncos out of field goal range. 
And I guess McDermott was concerned that maybe they would complete a pass underneath and have a chance at a long field goal attempt, which is why he called the all-out blitz. But I really hate that decision to call an all-out blitz because Russell Wilson ends up just lobbing the ball up in the air and it's thrown behind Jerry Judy. So Taron Johnson interfered with Judy. Uh. Pass interference was the right call. And then after that, I don't, I didn't really understand why the Broncos made it a fast field goal situation, right? Like third down, they could have just done an incompletion, like just throwing the ball away. Like I, I don't understand why they felt the need to have their uh, field goal team run onto the field <laughs> like they did successfully, I might add, at the end of the first half. But then they do that and they come out and they miss the kick with everything being so hurried, and then the Bills had too many men on the field. I just can't believe it. I mean, I said before the game, Amy, that I felt like it was not a must-win game for the Bills, but the type of game where if they lose, you'll wonder if there's some changes this week. Now, I don't know if that'll be the case with it being a short week, but certainly it's a really, really bad loss for the Bills. And then the manner in which they lost at the end of that game really makes you think that changes are coming to Buffalo sooner rather than later. If this was just an isolated incident or an isolated game in which the Bills look so messy and so undisciplined, maybe it wouldn't be so concerning. But it really does follow a pattern for them this season. They waste a game in which they finally rush for nearly 200 yards. What is wrong with the Buffalo Bills in 2023, Ross? Yeah, several things, right? Um, number one, uh, they just turned the football over way too much. Uh, four more tonight, two interceptions, two fumbles. And honestly, it could have been worse, Amy. I mean, Josh Allen threw a couple other passes that I thought were poor decisions, very much got in harm's way, and I, I did not like his decision to throw the football in those situations. So could have been even worse. And then, I mean, how about when James Cook is running down the middle of the field and the ball gets ripped out and bounces right back up to him? <laughs> I mean, he was crazy fortunate in that situation because it's an oblong ball. You never know what direction it's going to bounce. They turn the ball over too much. Even when they don't turn it over, they've got critical drops like we saw time and again Kincaid had one Latavius Murray obviously the Gabe Davis one that went through his hands I don't think that they're as talented as we think they are you know like Josh Allen's really talented Stephon Diggs is really talented Gabe Davis is not like a really good number two receiver I mean, think about some of the other good teams Amy he's not Devontae Smith right he's not um you know Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk you know he's definitely a step below the same with their third receiver, Shakir. So I, I think the Bills are not as talented as everybody seems to think that they are. I think that's another part of it. And I also don't love a lot of the things they do offensively with Ken Dorsey. It feels like a lot of times, even when they are having success running the ball, they don't stick with it. Why would they be taking a major step back from last season, though, Ross? Well, that's a good question. I think defensively it's a little bit because of Milano and Tredavious White. Offensively, I don't have a great explanation for that <laughs> other than the turnovers. 
Um, and I think other teams also have gotten a little bit of a better feel for how to defend this iteration of the Bills. It's interesting because we recently heard Kyle Shanahan talk about Brock Purdy and how he's willing to accept interceptions because he likes the fact that Brock is aggressive and he will air it out. He will sling it downfield. And I know there's some of that with Josh Allen and that Sean McDermott has said that in the past. The word that comes to mind is undisciplined across the board with an offense that shouldn't have so many problems. Yeah, um, you're exactly right. And here's the thing. Amy, you know, if you look at the amount of turnovers that Josh Allen's had over the last six years, the amount that he's had over the last two years, it's the most in the NFL. And so we're kind of at a point, he's a different player, and it's a different situation, but we're kind of at the Carson Wentz point. He's a better player. I'm not comparing him in that way. But what I mean is we're at the point where this is just who he is now. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to fix it. It's not going to get better. I love him. I think he's a terrific player. He's very entertaining. All those things. But I think we just kind of have to acknowledge now at this point that he's going to turn the football over a lot. If he hasn't learned his lesson by now, he's just not going to. Interesting. Ross Tucker, fresh off the call of Monday Night Football in Orchard Park with Kevin Harlan on Westwood One. Obviously, former offensive lineman himself. He's got the Ross Tucker Football Podcast with so much to say after a weekend in which the vast majority of the games were decided by a single score. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. I heard you talking to Kevin about the fact that Russell Wilson looks so much better. How do you explain the upgrade, the uptick, or maybe going Going back to who Russell Wilson was before. Yeah, you know, and I don't know that he's what he was before, but I think you got to give Sean Payton a lot of credit. Sean Payton is the only kind of new variable, right? And he's found a, a way to get Russell Wilson to play much smarter football. He's not careless with the ball. He takes care of the ball. You know, he's got only four interceptions this year. He's been much, much better in that area. And, you know, he looks at times like he did in Seattle in terms of, like, how many times tonight uh, or during the game, you know, was he able to avoid a rush and get first down yardage or avoid a rush Mm -hmm. and find a way to shovel the ball forward for a first down? Just really, really impressive what he was able to get done tonight. And I think a lot of it has to go, has to, to Sean Payton. So let's talk about some of the other games that we saw this weekend. Love to get your reaction to the 49ers and the Jaguars. Why is it, though, in the NFL, you can have the hottest team in the game run into a team that's had three straight losses and get completely blown out? It's such a great point, and nobody really knows. There is no real answer <laughs> other than it's a week-to-week league, and every week a team has a different game plan for that game. You know what I mean? Like every week is, uh, is really, more so than you even realize, a unique entity unto itself, and each week proves that. Um, the other thing is, yeah, the way I look at it, I guess, on some level, Amy, is like 
based on the way in which the Niners had lost three in a row and the Jags had won all those games in a row, it just didn't seem real likely to me that, like, was it really going to be the case that Jacksonville had won six in a row and San Francisco lost four in a row? Just kind of felt like that was just kind of felt like that was going to happen. One of the great stories that we've seen coming out of the first what ten weeks of the season is the development of C.J. Stroud, the Texans over five hundred, D'Amico Ryan's. What stands out to you about the Texans' run so far? Well, I think mainly C.J. Stroud. It's just unbelievable. I mean, he's better than I feel like I ever thought he would be he's been absolutely fantastic I mean he looks better than he did at Ohio State I mean I was honestly watching him recently thinking how did they lose to Michigan the last two years like I mean he's he's one of the best rookie quarterbacks I think I've ever seen he has been crazy crazy impressive so far I mean even in the Cincinnati game right to throw that interception like he did that let the Bengals get back in the game and then find a way to battle back from it and still lead them down for the score. It's just, um, it's remarkable. I I thought he had a chance, Amy, to, to be good eventually, but I just thought, you know, you watch Ohio state and he always had a clean pocket. He always had, uh, a situation where it felt like, um, you know, the receivers were wide open. I mean, how many times are these receivers wide open at Ohio State? And yet somehow he's been able to take that, and it hasn't always been a clean pocket in Houston. I mean, they had, their offensive line was banged up earlier. And the receivers I thought were pedestrian, but now you got Tank Dell looks awesome. Noah Noah Brown's making all these plays. It's uh, it's just remarkable. I mean, you know, you talk about all the sports, and I'm sure, like you know, like the Webinyama guy, and for basketball, <laughs> I'm sure it's a bigger deal. I'm sure it's a bigger deal, right? But it's hard to think about. Like he has changed the entire Houston Texans franchise now. Like if you're an eight year old that lives in Houston, <laughs> he just kind of changed your life. <laughs> kind of like Wemby. You can shorten it to Wemby if you want. Wemby, yeah, I don't. I have no idea if I said that even close <laughs> to right. I've heard other people say it. I'm not a big NBA guy. <laughs> Wembenyama looks the best to me, but I know that's not right. No, it is. It is actually right. Victor Wembenyama. Yes, that's perfect. Way to go, Ross Tucker. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. When you have a situation like the Jets do with Zach Wilson or even the Patriots do with Mac Jones right now, when you get frustrated, what do you do as someone who's watching this same scenario play out week after week after week? As a fan, as a player, as a what? As a player, yes, as a teammate. Oh, man, it's really really frustrating so it's funny in any situation like that amy it's like if you're a star player or a star receiver or whatever you are incredibly frustrated annoyed all of those things but for a guy like me you're really just focused on yourself right because you know 
when things are this bad, there's going to be changes. And you want to make sure that either you're not part of the changes or that if you are part of the changes, that you're able to get picked up by some other team. I mean, those things really go through your head. Certainly you wish Mac Jones was playing better or Zach Wilson and, and you're frustrated about that. But, man, you're thinking about what this means for your future moving forward because, you know, what's going to happen with Bill Belichick? What's going to happen with Salah? I mean, I, I think people think he's safe, but I don't know. I don't know that he is. Probably is because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So that's kind of the excuse if the Jets don't make the playoffs this year and maybe understandably so. But that's absolutely the thought going through your head as a, as a pro athlete. It's, it's like self-preservation. I never thought about it that way, actually. But I suppose it does depend upon where you are in the NFL hierarchy. If you're rank and file, well, you don't maybe have time to think about what's going on with your quarterback. Though you want to win, but you also want to keep a job. Which is why players do not tank. Thank you, Ross. Great insight. And I got to ask you about the Lions still, because that's one of the great stories in the NFL through 10 weeks. So hang on with us since you're driving. Of course, you can hang out. We'll get right back to you. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Here's the snap. It's a good one. The hold is good. The kick is on its way. End over end. And it is good. But there's a flag on the field. Hold everything. I think it's going to be Kyle Hamilton jumping over. And it looked like he made contact with the Brown trying to do the Miles Garrett. We'll see. Yeah. And let's see if it's 33-31 for eternity. It looks like it. Joel Petonio celebrating. Yeah, Tom. the Browns are celebrating. No fouls. Illegal leverage. Still go with Cal. This will end the game. And that will end the ball game. The Browns have won it 33-31. They've come from behind. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. One of six games in the NFL this weekend that was settled by a field goal. A jump around field goal, if you will. Although walk-off, I suppose, is more status quo. More Well, it's cliche. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're excited to spend a few more minutes with Ross Tucker, who is en route after Monday Night Football, calling the game on Westwood One with Kevin Hartland. We have talked Bills. We have talked their woes. We've even talked about Denver. But let's continue around some of the other major storylines through week number 10. Every team in the AFC North, including Cleveland, is above 500. So, Ross Tucker, how would you describe the AFC North? Awesome. (laughs) Um, I think it's awesome. I mean, I think all four teams are good. I think it's highly competitive. I'm already pumped up for Thursday night. And that game, the Bengals at the Ravens, I think it's kind of fantastic. I don't know how the Steelers are doing what they're doing. I'm fascinated clearly by the Browns with the defense. And now if they get Deshaun Watson playing well, I mean – there's just a lot of really cool stuff, I think, going on in that division. And I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that all four of them make the playoffs. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be pretty incredible. <laughs> but the AFC is so stacked. It's going to be incredibly competitive. In the NFC East, will the real Dallas Cowboys please stand up, though? Who are the real Dallas Cowboys, Ross? I think probably what we've seen. I mean, I think, I think they are... 
a talented team that can blow away bad opponents like they've done this year time and time again. But for whatever reason, they, they lack the, the DNA to be able to properly find a way to win close games against better opponents. I mean, the Niners game wasn't even close. They got blown away. But I, I feel like we're headed for the same old Cowboy season. They make the playoffs. They probably win a playoff game. But I think we all will believe the Cowboys will actually go to the postseason and get to the NFC Championship game if we actually see it. I mean, because they look so good at times. Like that, that Eagles game a couple weeks ago, they should have won that game. I mean, they were the better team. That could be part of their DNA is that they can be unbelievably infuriating. The Detroit Lions, they have assumed a brand new identity under Dan Campbell. What do you see with them that's so different from the Lions in the past? Like everything. I mean, they're exciting. They're fun to watch. Uh, they believe. Alex Anzalone, they're, they're star linebackers from my hometown. I talked to him a bunch, and I think Dan Campbell, his belief in those guys, uh, the way that he's authentic and genuine, his passion – I think that really does go a long, long way and that he deserves a lot of credit for their success. It's like he believes in them, Amy. And we all need people in life that believe in us. And and he believes in those guys and what they're doing. And I think they feed off of his confidence a little bit. I really do. Could that same thing be happening in Vegas with Antonio Pierce? Yes, and ironically, it's funny. Both of those guys are former teammates of mine. <laughs> wow. Um, and Antonio and I were uh, undrafted rookie free agents with Marty Schottenheimer together in 2001 in Washington. And then Dan and I were together in Dallas in 2003. And uh, there's a lot of similarities between them in terms of their sort of their confidence, their swagger, their passion the way they carry themselves, and uh, I'm not surprised they're both having the success that they're having right now. I think players like when you're honest with them. I think players like when they know. You don't have to be a former player. You know, Belichick's had a lot of success without being a former player, but I think it kind of helps knowing this guy's kind of done what we're doing. So Ross Tucker football podcast is his show, and he's with us here fresh off Westwood One's broadcast of Monday Night Football. It's after hours, CBS Sports Radio. I just have to ask you one more thing. As a former offensive lineman, how difficult is it to assimilate a quarterback like Josh Dobbs, who was on the team for 10 minutes and then has had, oh, I don't know, a week of practice, and yet the Vikings have not missed a beat since he became their QB? It's really funny that you say that. Amy, because that's going to be the article I write this week nice. for uh, for the 33rd team. Because I've actually, twice in my career, I got signed by a team and suited up in the next game. And, in fact, once I started at center uh, for Cleveland. So I'm going to talk about just how hard that is and how you do it. And quarterback certainly harder than even center was. And how you go about doing it and – you know, they pare down the game plan, but he's unbelievable. I mean, I did the Cardinals-Ravens game for CBS on TV a couple weeks ago, so met him in the production meetings, and 
such a super smart guy, and he talked about the time he spent researching how you have a long career in the NFL. (laughs) And he realized you can only be the young developmental guy for a few years, and then you got to be the experienced backup. And he wasn't getting any experience in Pittsburgh because he was behind Mason Rudolph and Big Ben. So he literally went somewhere else because he realized he needed a chance to play somewhere. He needed a chance to be the number two and have a chance to get in the game. And man, oh, man, has he made, has he made the most of it. I still can't get over the fact that he was practicing his cadence and his snap count on the sidelines before he went out there on the field for his first offensive series. So cool. <laughs> so cool. You know, they didn't think that was going to happen, obviously. And for them to win that game is just absolutely bananas. Just <laughs> incredible. It's, it's like a movie, and I love it. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. It kind of transitions so well, whether it's a movie or whether it's an article written about your life. Uh, MyFrontPageStory.com, I know you call it the best gift ever. Why, Ross? Well, because it's so unique. It's so special. Everybody driving right now. The holidays are coming up. You don't know what to get your wife or your mom or whoever. Imagine talking to a writer for 10 minutes, a professional writer, telling them how great your wife is. They write the most unbelievable story about her. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. You send in a couple of pictures. It's framed. It's unbelievable. I've seen so many of these now, Amy, where as as the wife's opening it up, she doesn't even know what it is, to be able to say, Honey, I want to do something special, so I had a story written about you. <laughs> it makes it sound like you're the most romantic guy. It makes it sound like you you commissioned like John Grisham to write some <laughs> story about her. And then and then when she actually reads the quotes, and it's like, you know, I, I just don't thank her enough for all the little things she does for me and the kids. I, I mean, they cry every time. It's so cool. Like, happy tears. <laughs> they cry every time. Plus, it's, it's framed. It'll be hanging up in the house forever. Trust me, fellas, <laughs> myfrontpagestory.com. It's myfrontpagestory.com. It's so money, it's not even funny. Well, considering that I'm about to walk down the aisle in four and a half weeks, I might just suggest this to my future hubs. <laughs> oh, Amy, congratulations. <laughs> I didn't know that. Thank That's you. That's wonderful. <laughs> I would like to come on the show again to have a lengthy conversation about getting married during football season. Yes, yes. And how that is unacceptable, but well, that's not what we're here for now. N- not right what now. What we're here for is celebrating you <laughs> and your upcoming nuptials. <laughs> what a lucky man that is. And Thank you. you know how I feel about you and your show. Anytime I am up uh, when your window is, when you're on the air, you're the show I'm listening to. Oh, I appreciate that. And yes, I would love to engage in a debate about how never in my life did I think I would get married, not just during NFL season, but Ross on an NFL Sunday. You want to find Ross on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL, and he's the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which is great. You get his personality, his laughter, all that stuff. Uh, you can also hear him on Westwood One and see him on CBS Sports, and it's myfrontpagestory.com. Great to connect with you, Ross. Thanks so much. Always fun to listen to. Of course. My pleasure. It's always fun to listen to you. Thank you. (laughs) We get into all kinds of trouble.
but if you were listening at the start of the conversation, well, you heard what he had to say about the Buffalo Bills. So lots of good stuff there. If you want to uh, go back and re-listen, it'll be on our podcast in a separate link. Or if you missed any part of it, we'll post it on Twitter and Facebook come first thing on Tuesday morning. Uh, but he thinks that, A, it's turnovers, of course. He thinks the changes are coming. Um, doesn't like all of the offense that is is being called by Ken Dorsey. Though I, I don't know if you can blame this on Ken Dorsey. He's not the one who's throwing interceptions or having the ball ripped out of his hands. Um, so turnovers are definitely an issue. But he also said, Marco, that he believes we may just have to accept this is who Josh Allen is. And the expectations for the Bills may be way too high. What do you think? How do you explain the Buffalo Bills? Uh, I do think this is who Josh Allen is. I think he's a big play guy who's going to be turnover prone. I mean, that, but that's not to say that he's not a good quarterback. There was another quarterback that was turnover prone that made big plays in Brett Favre. He made a career out of it and he's in the Hall of Fame. So you can do it. It's not the ideal way. You don't want to lead the NFL in interceptions each and every year. But I do think that that's part of Josh Allen's DNA. The turnovers obviously have to cut down a little bit, but they're not getting all the big plays that they used to get. So part of that is, whether it's Ken Dorsey and the loss of Brian Dable and their offense has changed over the last couple of years, I also think there's something to the fact that I feel like the Bills start every game where they still think that they're in the in the AFC Championship game. It feels like they play every game thinking that they're playing the Chiefs and it's a chance to get to the Super Bowl. It's not. There's a long journey, and it feels like they're now three steps ahead of where they need to be. They need to slow down and get mm. into the moment because every game that they play, every year that they go into it, it's always, this is the window. This is the year. This is the time. Got to take over. Got to get to the Super Bowl. Got to win it all. And they're feeling that pressure, and they're getting more and more mistake happy because they're not focusing on the little things. They're worried about the big picture, and that's not how you get to a Super Bowl. You need to take care of the little stuff in order to build and get there. You don't wake up in September in the playoffs, and it feels like every game they play, that's what they're thinking. You don't make up for last year's disappointment. You don't make up for two years ago with the 13 seconds. You need to have the the, the, the long journey, and they've lost sight of that. Just a couple of other things that stand out. Their offense has obviously taken a, a step back, and it's partly because of the turnovers, but they've gone half dozen games in a row now without more than 26 points. And and I saw this when I was researching longest stretch during a six game span since Josh Allen was a rookie. So this is also atypical mm-hmm. of them. Um, I've always wanted them to run the ball more and to not have Josh Allen being their leading rusher. I don't think that's a recipe for long-term success. Um, but now that they get a 200 yard rushing game and they're relatively clean in terms of penalties, only five, two of them coming on the last drive there by the Broncos it's just, it's inexplicable, the turnovers. Look, yeah, and the running game has been a thing and that we've all pointed to for the last however many years. And, you know, but that's part of who they are mm-hmm. and they've been able to overcome that. So I can't pinpoint that because that's never been an issue. That's been the last missing piece to get over the top, not their inability to score points. So there's something missing that's there. And I do feel like, you know, play calling, I I don't think Sean McDermott has done a very good job. He, he stabilized things early, but he has not been able to get them over the top. And I feel like there's been a lot of that turmoil nonsense with Stephon Diggs. I feel like he's flamed the fires. He hasn't quelled any of the issues. And I feel like he's been part of the problem in that regard, that it seems like Josh Allen has the whole world on his shoulders at all times. That can't be. Huh. That can't be how you go about this. And I feel like there's just something right now that's just lacking. It's missing. There's something that's, 
you can see it. And and look, what is it, four out of six you said they lost? Those are the two games that they won. The giant game that came down to the last play of the game against a team that was, that, I mean, that's woefully inept. And they were down to the one-yard line on a fourth and goal. Bills very easily could have lost that game. The other game was the Bucks. I'm pretty sure the ball landed at the feet of Chris Godwin in the end zone. Very easily could have been another loss. They've been skating on thin ice from opening the first game of the season, which, which was a loss lost. to the yeah. Jets with Aaron Rodgers on the sideline four plays in. They have not executed, minus a three-game span where they played well against the Bills. They have not executed from the get-go, and it's now catching up to them. You cannot constantly say, well, we're just better than you are. Even we're going to make 40 mistakes, we're still going to, talent's going to win out. Doesn't work like that in the NFL. Yeah, I see a lack of discipline. To me, that's the biggest thing. I explain them because they are undisciplined. That's what where they've gone. Maybe um, there is this idea that, hey, we're just so talented. We're so good. We can beat teams because we show up. But that's clearly not the case anymore. Uh, just really quickly, through 10 games, they are... Uh, right now sitting on 18 giveaways, so 18 turnovers, and their differential is minus three. They have more turnovers uh, than every other team in the league except for the Browns. So the Browns have 19, the Bills, the Bears, and the Raiders have 18. Usually teams that don't win. That's, That's definitely part of it. And again, Sean McDermott, a lot of that comes to you. If you if you have an undisciplined team that turns the ball over constantly, it goes to coaching. You, you have to take better care of the football because you have to be – it doesn't feel like Josh Allen values the football at times as much as, and if the big plays don't come to offset it, that now you got into problems. On Twitter, a law radio. How do you explain the bills this season? You can also find that post on Facebook now. And if you haven't yet voted for Monday MVP, uh, I will retweet because we still have an hour left to go there. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence. You are listening to the after hours podcast. It's a touchdown Tuesday on After Hours. Firing for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Touchdown. Takes it himself to the pylon. Touchdown. One man to beat 10. He's gone. They throw in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Hey, the guy missed. He's inside the five. He's to the three to one. Tom Stubbs. Southern's helping into the end zone. Touchdown. To cast your vote for the TD of the week, head to at After Hours CBS on Twitter or give us a call at 855-212-4227. The San Francisco 49ers. Second down one, a play caller delight here. Kittle goes in motion right. Outside of McKivitz, Ayuk is on that side. Purdy under center, a five-step drop. Now going to pump and throw down the sideline. Kittle, he's got it, and he's gone. Touchdown, San Francisco. Keep feeding the beast on a wheel route, and George Kittle's wheels, there is nothing wrong with them. The Arizona Cardinals. Third and one on the six. Two receivers right, one left in Falcon territory. Shotgun formation. Murray is Connor to his left. Snap to Murray, and he's going to keep it running left. He's at the five, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Kyler Murray is back. The mighty Kyler Murray on a zone read. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's Mayfield. Shotgun look. Looks right. Now back to his left. Those toward his left. Caught ball. Evans at the five. To the three, two, one. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. Fire the cannons, Mike Evans. 
Yeah, really a nice job. Now Baker, he had those happy feet. He looked to his left, to his right, but then he was able to find Mike Evans coming on an in route right in the middle of the field. And then Mike Evans, you can see the frustration in his body. He turns around and just drags the defender into the end zone with him about six yards. That's Fulton, number 26, and just carries into the end zone. The Cleveland Browns. Clock winds under eight and a half to play here in the fourth quarter. Jackson adjusts his wristbands as he settles into the shotgun. Takes the snap, looks to his right. Ball is swatted high in the air, and it is intercepted by the Browns. Greg Newsom along the sidelines into the end zone. Touchdown Cleveland, 33 yards off the deflection at the line of scrimmage. No penalty flags. And the Browns are within 131-30. We had six jump around field goals to end games on Sunday and then Monday night as well. So we had to look elsewhere for our TD of the week candidates. But we've got the poll up now on our show Twitter after our CBS. You can still vote for Monday MVP. That's just a side note. But check out the brand new poll on either Twitter or on our Facebook page. Greg Papa on Niners Radio. Brock Purdy under duress chucks deep to Greg. I do that all the time to George Kittle, who stops on a dime and cuts back to the left, splits defenders and goes 66 yards to the house. Kyler Murray, 11 months to the day that he tore his ACL. He was back on the field with a rushing touchdown as Dave Pash on Cardinals radio. Mike Evans with a huge game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to end what was a four game skid. He had a 43-yard reception, but also a 22-yard TD. And boy, was he fired up. Uh, He is, in fact, the muscle man. He had a drop touchdown in there as well. So, Tyler Boyd, you're not alone. Finally, in an AFC North clash and with the Ravens led by 14 early in the fourth quarter, you want to talk about turnovers and how they can change a game so drastically. A pick six. For the Cleveland Browns on their radio network, you hear it in the late stages. Uh, And Lamar Jackson, at times, he also gets a little loosey-goosey with the football or makes poor decisions. I guess every quarterback can do that. Um, And Cleveland took advantage, able to use that to come all the way back, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So glad to have you with us here as we morph From a Monday into a Tuesday, get the Behind Me Monday, and we've got so much to get to. Coming up at the top of next hour, Jim Harbaugh speaks for the first time about his three-game suspension, about how he plans to respond slash fight that three-game suspension uh, because he does have the opportunity uh, to go in front of a judge. So this has become not just a football, Big Ten, NCAA matter. It's now about to be a legal matter. So can he get a stay on this three-game suspension? He'll tell you what he thinks. Uh, and there is a hell of a lot of money still being paid to Jimbo Fisher, even though Texas A&M has let him go. He's ousted. A record buyout, a record payout to Jimbo Fisher. But the Aggies, the A&M Athletic Department, will pay that money if it means they can bring in a new head coach. 
I mean, that, that blows me away. But whether it's SEC or it's Big Ten or it's Big 12, these football programs have so much money that they can write this off like it's no big thing. So a little bit about Jimbo Fisher. Maybe you heard about LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels this weekend. A record performance from him. Eye-popping numbers. And... He was in concussion protocol just days before the game. A little bit of baseball, too. So there's a lot more that we'll get to. We're asking you on both of our social media sites to not only vote for TD of the Week and Monday MVP, but also how do you explain the Buffalo Bills? Because it's a disaster. Oh, have you guessed your number between 1 and 1,000 for the After Hours Zoom Room? It's After Hours CBS Sports Radio. 